Good evening, I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. We got a great show for you tonight. Um, remember last week we introduced you to a young man, Thomas, um, who has a very rare form of cancer and he lives up in Lebanon. Um, well, something happened today and there's a local connection. And this is one of those stories about, you know, how people getting involved and doing things and how that changes stuff. So anyway, we're going to be bringing you that that's coming up. Um, we also have, um, a couple of doctors out of sweet home who do a podcast BS free MD. And, uh, we're going to talk about COVID with them and, uh, Matt McCarl from New Leaf Hyperbarics uh, is one of our sponsors tonight, but he's also uh, just recently getting over COVID and he's also treating people who have COVID um, or who had COVID to help get their lung capacity back. And he's seeing huge results. So if you're someone who's had Omicron or any of the varieties and you're having trouble with that lungs, Matt's gonna talk with you about that, seeing some really great results with them. Our show is sponsored by Chris Dental Family Dentistry, where everyone is welcome, despite your vaccination status. New Leaf Hyperbarics and Wellness Center, that's Matt who you're gonna meet. And also Mercury Metal, um, design and fabricators. Um, they're the people who took my logo and made it into this really cool work of art is that not the coolest thing? So it's a piece of metal that they they put everything on and they do all kinds of fabrication and stuff. And I'm gonna show you a little bit of their shop in a few minutes, uh, but they're one of our new sponsors and we really love having them on board. So let's get the show started. Bill London's gonna be here and then we're gonna go right to uh, Thomas and Jolene and Ben, a friend of mine. So here we hang on, we got one hell of a show. Oh, the thing you can do for me right now, share this right now on your page, just hit share goes on there and all your friends see it and it spreads the word. Here we go. Who puts up with this? That's what I don't understand. Bring the lion out. Bring the, bring the lion. Um, tonight on our show, we're going to have... Hey guys, don't you think it's kind of fun that you get to comment on the news? There's a cost. Oh yeah, there's a cost. People come after you. Like, I think that's why this is so much fun is because... We'll see it fly. Good evening from the news radio, 1120 a.m. and 93.7 FM, KPNW Studios. I'm Bill London, co-host of the Wake Up Call, 6 to 9 a.m. on KPNW. And uh, by the way, so there is this war going on on Facebook regarding my background. Uh, and I'm talking about this background back here. And somebody suggested, you know, you need palm trees. And so what do we do? I go to all this effort to get a palm tree, and then they complain that their palm tree is better than mine. Yeah, well, my son is better than yours. Sorry, you lose. All right, here's some of the stories we're covering. The Oregon Health Authority held a public hearing today about making the indoor mask mandate permanent. But according to the OS, uh, the OHA, it doesn't mean that we'll have to wear masks forever. Just when the Oregon Health Authority decides we don't have to, they say it's temporary. And 
according to them. Oregon law says that the temporary mandate can't be renewed or extended beyond 180 days. And now if this new mandate is passed, it would mean that state leaders would not have to keep pushing back the date that the mandate is scheduled to expire and it will be in place until they say it's no longer necessary. But during today's hearing, the health authority says, well, we can't really predict when we'll have an end for the need for the masks. So we'll decide later. And they refuse to specify what metrics they are going to use to end the mandate. They'll only say they'll examine the data and they'll have discussions until they decide to remove the mandate. Of course, making the rule permanent means that the OHA won't be required, like they were today, to take public input, essentially giving themselves the ultimate authority and can let it go on as long as they want to. Nearly two years in, COVID has impacted all facets of life, do you think? While now teachers surveyed by the Oregon Education Association say it's making things within schools statewide worse, even pushing them to the breaking point. Dr. Reed Scott Schlabach is the president of the Oregon Education Association, the union, and she says that educators have simply in some places run out of steam. She says the state has lost educators to other states or simply quit. And while she didn't say it, the implication is that some of those losses to other states were because of vaccine mandates. Making matters worse, Scott Schlabach says 25% of teaching staff statewide are eligible for retirement. So, she says, if the state and districts don't step in soon, ultimately, she says, it's the students who will be hurt the most. Now, the OEA gave state leaders an advanced copy of the report. Let's talk about Oregon statewide graduation rate. It, for the 2020 through 2021 school year, was 80.6%, which is a 2% drop from the previous year. That, according to a new report from the Department of Education. The Oregon Department of Education is touting this, though, as a win, saying it's the second highest graduation rate in Oregon history. Now, let's be honest. That claim is dubious, and that is because Oregon has only begun to record graduation rates since 2008. So before that, who knows? And that decline, by the way, of graduation could be worse were it not for the fact that the legislature, at the behest of Governor Kate Brown, eliminated the essential skills assessment requirement that all students had to pass to graduate. And it just measured the most basic competencies, like being able to read, do some basic math. Now, taking a look at some local school districts, the Bethel School District actually saw improvement in their four-year graduation rate. In 2019 through 20, it was 79.2%. Last year, 84%. Springfield also saw its rate increase from 72.2% the previous year to 74.9% in the last school year. As far as the Eugene School District, well, not so good there. They actually saw a pretty big drop in graduation from the previous year's peak of 81.7%. It was 78.8% last year. The district says that it saw declines in nearly every student group and metric. Well, this goes back to the lawsuit 
against Governor Brown and her commutations and clemencies. Remember when we told you a few days ago about one of Governor Kate Brown's COVID commutations where a man with 53 total lifetime felony convictions was released early by Governor Brown and now is on the loose and being sought for a, by Portland police for robberies he committed after the governor said, you can go free, now you'll be safe from COVID. Well, apparently he's not the only reoffender. Lane County DA Patty Perlow is part of a lawsuit against Governor Brown's clemency and commutation moves to stop them. And she told me that Lane County has seen a number of crimes committed in Lane County by COVID cons released by the governor. Perlow says that 11 people granted clemency by Governor Brown for crimes committed in Lane County were arrested or cited for new offenses in Lane County and some are still on the loose. At this point, one of them has actually died. One of them, one of the people that reoffended, did not have charges filed against him for insufficient evidence. One is being reviewed. Two are on the lam and wanted by law enforcement. Two have hearings pending and four have actually resolved their cases by plea agreement. Now, one can make a reasonable extrapolation that there's probably more instances of this around the state with over a thousand prisoners released by a simple wave of Governor Kate Brown's magic scepter. And we'll end with this. Democratic candidate for Governor Nicholas Kristof has now filed his brief with the Oregon Supreme Court arguing why he should be included on the May primary ballot. Kristoff's attorneys say Secretary of State Shamia Fagan, a fellow Democrat, erred in excluding him from the ballot based primarily on his having voted in New York in 2020 and conducted and lived most of his life in New York. Instead, his lawyers argue the determinative factor should be where he believes he resided. They say a resident is someone who intends to be at home in Oregon and acts pursuant to that intent. Hmm. I intend to be in Atlantis. Hell, Atlantis. Now, that said, even though his campaign is somewhat on hold, he's still raking in money, and most of it coming from out of state. Since the beginning of 2022, he received a $50,000 donation from LinkedIn founder Reed Hoffman of Menlo Park, California, who believes he's from Oregon. Another $10,000 was given by former Disney company chair Robert Iger, who lives in Albany, New York, but who also feels like he lives in Oregon. Another $10,000 was given by New York investor Dennis Mihiel. Other contributions include $5,000 from Colorado philanthropist and environmental activist Jill Soffer. Actually, of the 14 contributions of $1,000 or more, only one came from an Oregon resident, and that's a Portland attorney who gave $1,000. So here's a question. What if the Supreme Court says, dude, you're not from the hood? They're kind of fly that way. Well, if that is the case, Kristoff can keep the cash in his state campaign finance fund for use on a future race, or he can just simply dole it out to any other candidates he wants. All right, it's time to get real rolled with Rick. Rick, real roll us. I feel like I'm from Montana. 
<laughs> and when I spend too much time right here, I feel like I'm from the very uh, 40. What is that? We used to say Eugene is four, 45, I don't know how many square miles surrounded by reality. I think that the reality starts at just outside the valley. <laughs> you can't make this way well, you could, but you can't make this stuff up because then it would be permanent, except if it's in Oregon, because in Oregon, permanent doesn't always mean permanent. Sometimes it means not permanent, but you have to have someone explain to you <laughs> when it's permanent and when it's not permanent. And we don't have enough time in this show to do that. So let's talk about crowns. A lot of crowns and we do really good crowns. Um, and it's funny, a patient asked me the other day, is like, how are you giving such cheap crowns? And, and I think they think that maybe I'm having like lesser quality. I have really good quality crowns and we do really good work. And we're, we charge, if you don't have insurance, we charge 998 bucks. So if, let's say you break a tooth and you know you need a crown, you can call us and that's how much you're paying. Um, uh, you're not gonna, we're not gonna charge you all these add-ons. You don't want a crown that breaks. I don't want stuff from China. Uh, it's a local lab. Uh, they're phenomenal. You're gonna come in the chair, we're not gonna charge you for a limited exam, x-ray, um, a core build up in a crown. We're gonna charge you 998. And he really does. And that's if you mentioned you saw it on Rick Dancer, that special's over. But if you saw it on Get Real with Rick Dancer, he will do that for $9.98. Okay, we have a great story for you. Now, you ready? So um, last week, I think it was, we introduced you to a young man named Thomas and his mom, Jolene. And Thomas has a very rare form of cancer. And so um, we're going to go to his uh, room right now. He's in his room. Hello, Thomas and Jolene. How are you? Hi. Uh, how are you doing, Thomas, man? I'm doing good. Okay, so Thomas is 13, and what's your favorite team? The Dallas Cowboys. Okay, the Dallas Cowboys. So he had mentioned that on our show. So I have this friend, and his name, and this is like, here's a story of a young man named Ben. This is Benjamin Elliott. How you doing, buddy? Good. How you doing, Rick? Good. So Ben was watching the show, and he saw Thomas. And you, this is not the first time you've done something like this. So kind of tell people how this all works for you. Uh, so I just kind of, I get connected with different kids kind of throughout the, really throughout the country here in Oregon, Arizona, um, Minnesota. Um, and I kind of find their stories and get if I can make something happen, uh, get something signed, whether it's from a musician or football team or whatever i will uh make that happen and over the last couple of years i've just kind of made the right connections um with people and i can't really i guess i can't share my secret as to how it happens because it is a process but um you know i figure why not if i if i can make um brighten somebody's day especially really uh the kids which are our future our future generations then you know why not fight to make that happen so, and you've done this quite a few times. I mean, you've gone after. <clears throat> yeah, I've uh, it uh, kind of lost count really. I uh, done mainly. I get most, like the memorabilia stuff signed, like for, for Thomas, for example. But um, I don't. Um, a lot of the the stuff I've done too is doing events directly with the teams. Um, I mean, I've done stuff with the Cardinals down in Arizona, which is 
I love my Rams, but I guess if I can do something with the Cardinals like that, um, I will. Um, I got to take a kid that, that had brain cancer down uh, for a game a couple years ago. Um, <clears throat> got to go down onto the field actually before the game, hang out with the team. You got to meet all the players. And then actually just a few weeks ago, I got to do the same thing in Arizona, but it just happened to be against uh, my Rams. So that was uh, that was kind of exciting, actually. Something I got to enjoy more myself. So you heard this about, about uh, the Dallas Cowboys with Thomas, and yeah. you got a hold of him. You contacted him. Who did you talk with? Um, so I actually uh, emailed and uh, got um, on the phone with Charlotte Jones, who happens to be the um, daughter of the Cowboys owner, Jerry Jones, um, who is probably one of the most well-known uh, football owners in the country. And so today, Thomas, show him what you got. What was delivered to your home? Hold on a second. Here. Okay. So what is it, Thomas? Sign football. So the whole team signed this football for you. Yeah. So what are you thinking, man? I like it a lot. <laughs> you like it a lot. Uh -huh. Did you think just by saying something on here you were gonna get? Something like that. You didn't. You didn't think that, did you? Well, congratulations. Are you feeling okay today? Is it a good day? Yeah. Jolene, what did you think when that came to your house? Oh, I was pretty excited. Um, the look on his face, like he had no clue. So it was pretty cool. Well, we like, thank what you. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> so, Thomas, what are you gonna do with that, man? I'm gonna keep it. You got a hat too. Oh, you got a hat too. Mm -hmm. And he got some sunglasses. Yeah. Dallas Cowboy oh, sunglasses. Nice. That is so freaking awesome. <laughs> well, thanks you guys for sharing that moment with us. We yeah, really appreciate you, you being on here. All right, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. 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 All right. So uh, that's why you do what you do, huh? Yeah. It, um. You know, it, it, it does make a difference. Um, you know, it's until you really, I guess, uh, kind of see childhood cancer firsthand um, and you kind of dive into the realm of their story, you don't see um, how how detrimental it is to, to life in general. Um, so, you know, when you kind of when you do see that, it makes you want to want to try even harder uh, to make things like that happen. Well, thanks first. Thanks for being my friend, and thanks for doing that for that young man. I can't. Oh, I'm, I am so stoked. Uh, ben sent a picture today. He says, "Rick, look." I go, "Okay, get get him. We got to get him on the show. Got to get him on the show tonight. We got to do this." Uh, they said, uh, "Benjamin has magic powers." <laughs> Benjamin, thanks again. We appreciate it, man. See you later, buddy. So you guys see that is what you can do. I mean, look. Yeah, he's done it enough that he kind of gets the idea and he knows how to dig into the right places, but he gets the owner's daughter and, and gets this football for them. It just shows we can impact the world in which we live. It's not that hard. You just have to learn how to get around those ropes and get it going. Okay, another sponsor we have. Um, I love these people. This is our company. This is Mercury Metal, and they create different products for big companies, for families, for people all throughout the, the country. I'm right here in a shop over there by um, the 
just off of Highway 99 in Eugene. We got to tour it. And these are all people that are working hard, loving what they're doing, um, creating things that if you guys have an idea and you want your logo or you want something done for your home, uh, backsplashes for your kitchen, they can help you design all that kind of stuff. Um, they are super amazing people. And we're just tickled to death to have them as one of our sponsors and uh, let, let them come on board. Another sponsor who's been around for a long time is Matthew McCarl. How you doing, Matt? Great. How are you? I'm good. So um, you said a long time, like I'm like old or something. <clears throat> no, we're, you know <laughs> I, we both know I'm older than you are. So it's no big deal. So Matt, and I have, we have a lot in common. Um, but one of the things we had in common about a week and a half ago is we both came down with COVID. Mm -hmm. so it, um, how was it for you? So the first day I was just, I felt a little off and then I developed this horrible cough. It was no bueno. <clears throat> and so I wanted to get a, I didn't want to get any of my staff and, you know, you know, we were super safe here because of the, air scrubbers and all the stuff we have in here, but I wanted to be safe. So I stayed home and said, I go get a test at the Walgreens. I called the Walgreens and of course they didn't have any tests till Thursday at midnight the next week, which would have been the 13th. And so I knew of this place up in Sweet Home called Ridgeway Health. And I called up there and they got, they got me in the net very next day. And sure enough, I tested positive, and then they were talking about the monoclonal antibodies, and I said, yes, please, because I'd like to get over this soon so I can get back to work helping folks as well. So, and two of the people involved in that clinic um, are the BS Free MD, uh, Tim and May. And uh, so Matt then called me because I'm going, yeah, I've, I've got something. i got something going on. And Matt goes, you need to get up there. So you need to get up there. So I text him, and Tim goes, I'll meet you down there. Uh, Kathy and I go down super safe. You sit outside in your car <laughs> when you have the, I got the, what are the monoclonal, what are the, Tim, help me. Anybody can help me. <laughs> Monoclonal antibodies or so MABs for sure. We call them MABs. So yeah. Kathy and I got those shots and then they put you, you send you out to your car with a little camera in case you have a reaction, which nobody does, but it, it's, it's, it's just a security thing. And you sit there for an hour with a little camera in there. And then, you, but the hard part is, I, I don't know about for you, Matt, but I just kept thinking, gosh, I can't pick my nose. I have to be very careful. I don't know what <laughs> these two people will do with this video coming right. from me. Um, and, somebody and, asked uh, me the other day, well, what happens if you fall asleep? Do they rush out there to make sure you're okay? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't fall asleep because I'm sitting in the car um, and the truck is just waiting for this. But yeah, it was, um, it, it actually, I felt like the next like may, not the next day, but the next maybe like 30 hours afterwards, I felt like it was it was going fast. You know, it was going pretty fast. And I thought that's got to be what this is. And <clears throat> Kathy had had hers for a little bit longer than me. And she noticed the difference, too. So um, but there's not many places that do this, is there, Tim and, and May? Uh, no, I mean, it's we've been really as, as far as an outpatient setting, like non-hospital setting. I don't no. know of any. Do you? Uh, no, most of the bigger hospital systems, you know, use their infusion centers or, you know, they have, they'll take over a room in their hospital and they'll, you know, when they were, when we were doing Regeneron, which is what you guys got, which is the subcutane, subcutaneous shot under the skin, um, you know, where it doesn't have to be infused, you know, they would still 
sometimes infuse them, use it in an infusion center. Um, it, it, it's just, we've run into a lot of patients who, you know, they call their primary care doctor and they get, um, don't call us back until you're blue and then go to the ER. Or we don't, I mean, I saw somebody last week and it's like, I called for my child, kid had a cold. We don't see anybody unless, you know, if they have any COVID symptoms. And I was kind of like, this is, I mean, the reason I'm still practicing medicine is this is our Normandy. I mean, this is right. a, a once in a hundred year pandemic and you're a doctor, you're supposed to treat sick people. <laughs> yeah. So we decided to leave corporate medicine and we joined one of our, you know, the owner of our clinic is, you know, one of our former uh, residents that we trained and we just said, we're going to treat sick people and we're not going to, you know, try to be super provocative. Uh, you know, we, and I think he was really aggressive in dealing with the state and you, right, setting up as far as getting the monoclonal antibodies and, and doing that. I, so I don't know that, you know, no one else could do it, but I don't know how many people have actually tried to. Well, I'm getting a whole bunch of responses on here that are saying we went in and they said that's reserved only for the most, you know, um, in need patients. And at um, hospitals, right, at hospitals, they're really, I, we, we do know, I mean, I saw somebody that had gone in, they came in to see us because they had already gotten monoclonal antibodies. Their doctor referred them to the hospital. They had to go on a wait list. It took them a couple of days to get into the infusion center. And then in the hospitals, they infused them there. But uh, at now, I don't know. That I mean, it depends on their access and they were reserving them. Well, and it's all, some it's of this all, up to their decision on it, the sickest patients to the ER often. The, well, the antibodies are re reserved for, um, or they're, they're rationed from the federal government that then goes to OHA and OHA, the Oregon Health Authority, doles them out based on case rates and how much you use as a clinic. But but the problem is, is that the problem in some of the, the triaging where you're going, you want this for the sickest patients, that, that that's true. But really what you want this for is you want this for the people that have the highest chance of getting sick and going to the hospital. Well, this is early treatment, okay? So early treatment works better when it's early. Otherwise, it's not early treatment. Right. So, yeah, so, and there's risk stratification, I think. What well, there's risk say, stratification, but at, the same, but at the same time, you know, during the Delta wave, you can't really predict no. exactly who's going to get sick. So by the time you wait... And then they get close to 10 days when you're out of the window of treating them with, with monoclonal antibodies. You kind of, you know, you kind of are fiddling while Rome burns when you should just treat the stinking patient. I mean, treat the patient. You're there to treat patients. Well, I had people come to me and Matt, I don't know if you did too, but I had people look at me like, going, oh, you did that. Well, the NIH is, is, is saying it's a good thing to do. I mean, I did my research. It's not like it's just, it's not like it's the, the I word or one of the ones that we're not supposed to talk about. I mean, it is, it is a therapy. And yes. how does it, how does it exactly work to make that to, to do what it does? I okay. mean, like don't get too technical because no, we no we can talk about it. We can talk about it because it's approved. It's federally okay. approved. Right. So so, so what is a monoclonal <laughs> antibody? Okay. It is an it is a antibody of one clone. So thus the name mono. Okay. So essentially, you figure out what what antibodies bind to COVID so that your body can recognize uh, the COVIDs and then kill them with, you know, killer T cells and all these other parts of your immune system, right? So just like any other antibody. So then what you do is you figure out, you figure out um, what that antibody looks like. And then you, you use yeast to construct the, the yeast um, 
they used to use bacteria, but they use yeast now. They use the metabolic machinery of yeast to crank out the antibody. So they have these gigantic yeast fermenters, okay, basically like making beer, except way more technical. And, and, and it tastes Don't like try it. this and at you all. Spli- Don't so try you, this you at essentially all. are splicing in a gene to create that antibody, which is a protein. So the yeast cranks out the protein, cranks out a bunch of these, and then you do whatever kind of filtration process they do, which I don't know much about. And you get just antibodies that work against COVID. And so, so that's why it's a monoclonal. It's, it's a one type of antibody. So then most of the treatments are two different antibodies that work in a slightly different way, but synergistically together. Yeah. And so, so the injections you're getting include two different antibodies. Two different monoclonal yeah. antibodies. Mm-hmm. So, but there's there's monoclonal antibodies in all sorts of different drugs. It's oh, yeah. essentially just We've a been different using it way for a long time. to make. It's a different way to make uh, pharmaceuticals instead of <clears throat> using a molecular model where you do chemical reactions and modify a molecule until it becomes a drug. You're using a biological machine instead of a molecular machine to produce the therapeutic, which in this case is an antibody against COVID. It can be it can be an antibody that that goes to a receptor that treats migraine. I mean, May's familiar with that. She takes a monoclonal antibody for migraine. So it's it's an entire yeah. They're out there for psoriasis treatment, auto. I mean, yeah, autoimmune diseases. You see them advertised on TV. It's, all, it's all an the entire time. family yeah. of biologics, and so it's a and it's a massive part of pharmacy now. Yeah. So one of the things Matt and I are talking about that we both have noticed is like um, getting the um, the um, getting our oxygen back is, you know, after like working out and oh, stuff yeah. like that, yeah. I'm noticing that, I mean, I'm completely well, but I noticed that it's harder to get my heart rate to where I want it. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going, God, I'm breathing really hard. And, but I, I swam the other day and it was fine, but my wife's noticing the same thing. And how long what, ago, how long ago, or do you want to share how long ago you got diagnosed or sick? You don't have to, but like two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm in the exact same boat as you. I had, I got COVID on uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. I know the, I know the patient, I'm sure I got it from, because I've worked with this group and this one lady was super sick. But so I got, once I got tested and diagnosed, it took about 48 hours. Then I got the, mon- my, I got monoclonals right away. Uh, I got a, I got an old fashioned house call visit from, from our colleague, but Within, I was super sick. I had a high fever. For me, the body aches was the worst. But within 20, uh, 24 hours of monoclonals, my symptoms like got better super, super fast. But I still felt, you know, sick, fluish for a week. Yeah. But, but for me, the oxygen thing, now that was interesting because I kind of felt really pretty good at about day 10. I'm like, okay, I'm good. By day 14, I was back to working out, walking, not really pushing it. Um, but all of a sudden I got bad and then my oxygen started to go down. We went on a trip and we flew on a, and a, we had our masks on the plane. You, I mean, there's no way around that. And so we were checking our oxygen with Tim, with the Apple watch. And we're like, Oh, we're at 95%. And I'm like, I don't feel good. So we were at sea level the whole time. And for about, you know, two weeks, my O2 level was, you know, 95, 94. I was short of breath. I couldn't even really walk around the room. And so I think I had 
little tiny micro clots in my lungs. And so I know exactly what you're feeling because that can happen. It's not to everybody, um, but it's a, definitely a real thing. So Matt, somebody's on here saying oxygen is everything. So Matt, you're having huge results from people coming in. I, talk about that. I have I had a big advantage over everybody else. I, you know, as Rick knows, I have a chamber at my house. So as soon as I got home from getting my injections, I did a 90 minute treatment in my chamber. And within a couple hours, I actually started feeling much better. And by, so that was Thursday. And by Saturday, I'm like, I could get up and do that. I'm just going to rest one more day. By Sunday, I got up, I was clean house. I went back to work on Monday, but I've been constantly treating in my chamber. Plus I have this really cool power bed, um, this red, blue and infrared light therapy. <clears throat> and so I took one week off of working out and then went right back to working out. I'm working out this week, but you know, feeling really good. But we've been getting folks that are coming in post-COVID that, you know, I had somebody call me Tuesday night, like, nurse says I need hyperbarics. My my husband's sats are like 87. I'm like, oh, my God, you you need oxygen. So they're actually coming. They just got here tonight for their first treatment because I had to wait that, you know, that window of time where they're safe to be out. And so we've been seeing a lot of folks that are coming in where their sats are running. They're on oxygen part of the day even. But they start doing treatments. And within, like, we had a gentleman... He was on oxygen pretty much all day long. He he started doing treatments, and within a couple of days, he started from a, not needing it in the morning to like two in the afternoon, and then a couple of days later, he's now eight o'clock at night before he needs his oxygen. So it's just really helping folks open their lungs back up and get that. And I just saw a study the other day about how long haul is basically a lot of inflammatory overdrive in the body. Yeah. And since hyperbarics is like taking forty Motrin for an, when you're in there for an hour. It's pushing that inflammation out and allowing your lungs to work better. So I'm seeing really great results. Plus, we're using red and blue infrared light therapy, putting the blue or red and infrared on the front, blue and infrared on the back, and just really tacking those lungs. And yeah, the, the infrared, actually, I was just doing some research on it. I don't know if you have the infrared light chambers or the infrared light bed but that's a really fascinating new thing i want to do a show on um, about how it's used for initially it was used in studies for skin acne psoriasis but now they're using it for inflammatory processes i mean you can even buy some home kits but there's a lot of health centers and gyms that are using this and it's really help in decreasing inflammation so that's a real interesting thing for post-covid that i don't know i'd have to look up but COVID is a big post-COVID and COVID itself and the spike proteins is very inflammatory. And one of the problems and complications that people end up with in a hospital is in, from the inflammation, clotting. I mean, blood clots, thrombosis, micro clots in the lung or the heart and vessels. And so one thing that can happen is tiny little clots in blood vessels and organs, places in the lungs as well, which decreases. So, um, I didn't get on oxygen therapy I, nor need it. I don't want any clotting in my organ, <laughs> but I took, I, you know, I, I put myself on aspirin therapy, which, uh, I'm not telling everybody to do because it just depends on your health and your risk factors if you can take aspirin. But we recommend that to a lot of patients that come in for at least two weeks after being diagnosed with COVID to help thin the blood and reduce clotting as well, which would make a difference. So it's a combination of all these things, which, which is no, um, no, really no, no, no. It's just the vaccine. Yeah. Forget <laughs> it. There's only one treatment for this. Matt, somebody's out there. Uh, in the hyperbaric chamber. 
So ours are mild pressure. We just do 1.3 atmospheres or 10 feet below sea level, just enough for that oxygen to be able to dissolve into your plasma and put four times the amount of oxygen in your body. So it's not super intense on the body, but it gives you that extra oomph to really get that inflammation out, detox you, just makes a world of difference. Really, it's amazing. Dawn said you put her on the light there because she was too late for the other and for the yes. animal. Dawn was like super... Like she probably, she was super bad just a couple of days ago, and today she came in and was like, "I feel human again." I took so showers. Come down and try this because I'll tell you what; those infrared lights. I, I'm a big hyperbaric guy too, but Matt, once he turned me on to the infrared lights, it's like I am like, it is the best for your workout. And Tim, for after you're doing a workout, you, he puts you in on their recovery mode, and, and you're just. I came out of there and I was like, okay. First thing I asked Matt will tell you the truth. How much are those? And then he <laughs> yes. And yes. I went, oh, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> you can get some, you can get some small, like pocket size, not pocket size, but I have, um, I call it a happy light from Verilux, mm -hmm. um, but you can get some infrared ones, but of course they're like 10 times the price right now. I mean, I saw it was like $400 for like this little tiny, you know, yeah. 12 by four uh, infrared, yeah. just tiny light. So you bought you bought one and you, you were sticking it in my pants though, which was really disconcerting. What? No. Here, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, what are you talking about? Happy light. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, we have, we have, we have two different versions of lights that we use. We have we have targeting pads that we use in a hyperbaric chamber for targeting specific areas. So, like when I'm talking about the chest and the back. And then we have an, a, what we call a power bed, which looks like a giant sun tanning bed. And that's the one that Rick was talking about. So yeah. we have two different modes. And that thing is super so, awesome. So Matt, how soon after, how long after can you get in the chamber? Kate wants to know. She has it right now. I'm asking folks to do the standard, you know, stay at home till you're no longer, you know, your isolation of at least five days. And then you can't have a fever or anything like that when you come in here. Because I also see, you know, folks that are treating cancer and stuff like that. So I need to keep sterile in here yeah. as best we can or... Not, you know, not sterile, but sanitary. So Tim and May, how soon, like as someone's having symptoms, can they come in and still do the monocle and then have that be effective? Well, it's up to 10 days. The The problem is. And I think there's some people who I know that Peter has prescribed no, Peter, it past Peter McCullough 10, says he's, he's ignore like, it, just treat people. I mean, if they're um, in there, but we, I was going to say, it, the earlier, the better, right? Because you want to try to hit that virus before it's replicated. Right. And, you know, so we see a lot of people in the first two days are not bad, and then they think they're getting better, and then day four, they're terrible. Yeah. I mean, come in, we'll treat you. The um, the problem is, and, you know, I explain this to patients now, is according to the last analysis that I've seen from OHA, which was as of January 9th, uh, they actually quoted 100% of cases for Omicron. And the way they, they make that determination is by um, they, they, you know, the tests that are, you know, released to commercial labs, they look at a few of those, a certain number of those in different counties and, and, and genotype them. And then they, they actually look at, at uh, wastewater so they can go to water treatment plants because COVID is actually concentrated in stool and you can, you know, genotype, um, you know, an entire community's wastewater and go, oh, okay. What are we getting there? You know, what are the variants that we're mm -hmm. getting? Um, and and so it appears that it's mostly Omicron now. Uh, last data I saw in the nation was like 97% or something like that. Exactly how accurate that is, I honestly yeah, don't, I don't know. know. I think they um, over I think they over 
predict. I think they've overpredicted that high, but I mean, it's going to be pockets that are different. Yeah, but it's but, interesting because. But you're going to say about the monoclonals really. Yeah, so the, the best monoclonal antibody, it's very, very hard to get for Omicron, is uh, Citrovimab. Um, it works really good. Uh, we don't use Regeneron anymore. It's basically fallen out of favor with Omicron. And then we have, uh, there's another combination infusion that seems to work at least somewhat. But the bottom line is, if you get Omicron, it's so, it's so much less dangerous. And if you end up being somebody that ends up having Delta and you don't know it, at least the other monoclonal antibodies are going to work good against the other variants, which is the variant that's going to put you in the hospital and potentially kill you. So, I mean, we're, I mean, we're starting to hear and see people with more of the Omicron variant, which is, I call it like a really bad cold. Fever, um, body aches, yeah. just like the flu, but no lung stuff. They'll get wicked sore throat. But then hardly any cough. It really is dramatically different. I mean, it uh, just anecdotally in the last two weeks, yeah, it it's seems to really concentrate changed. more in the head than yeah. in the respiratory. Which is odd because September of 2020, I had the worst head cold of my life, and I it tested positive for COVID. As soon as I got Sudafed, <clears throat> I was better. But this one was more of a really bad cough, and it's kind of triggered my bronchitis effect a little bit. Yeah, so it makes you wonder. I mean, and and that was a, like two or three weeks. Like weeks make a huge difference in this. Like even two weeks ago, it could have still been mostly Delta, and it depends exactly where you are. Um, but I mean, the good news of Omicron is it may end up being the greatest uh, passive immunization in the history of mankind. Yes, actually, on our podcast that dropped today, um, we went into how well Tim said that that uh, he believes pandemic's over. Now it's going to be an endemic of covid because of the omicron and how it's it's pushed this variant to a lesser um uh what's the word I'm well it's for? less lesser it's less severe less but it's severe way as more well contagious. as decreased morbidity and mortality in hospitals as well so. so if you have omicron if you get Omicron, can you still get delta or do we well, know uh probably not and the reason is for two two reasons a delta don't like Delta's so last October, so it's basically <laughs> over that. It, you know, it's it's gone out of yeah, it's gone out of style. Fell out. And then and then um, the other thing is, is that it, these variants tend to overwhelm. Like there's this this concept of 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 viral precedence, where when you have a huge pressure of a certain virus, you tend not to get other viruses. It's really weird, but that's how it appears to work. So. Huh. So the reason that we didn't have flu last year, one of the theories is that this viral dominance theory is if you have tons of COVID, it almost like squishes all the, yeah. the flu out of the way. So as these variants come in and because they're all coronaviruses and they're all COVID-19 viruses with slight variants, they should have fairly robust immunity um, to the other variants, you know, so Delta, et cetera. So that's why they go away. And then a new variant comes. So the new, the next okay. variant that comes, you know, should in all likelihood, it will be a descendant of, uh, it'll be a mutation of Omicron. So they're, and so what they're looking at with the studies is that they're from the people that we follow is that uh, Omicron looks to be like the best kind of booster you can get for immunity, natural immunity um, for, for this going forward for how long we don't know. Right. I heard an expert and it was like on a regular channel and they said that yeah. this is, this is going to burn through and, and that's going to be a good thing once it gets through that people will, you know, 
get it. Um, and that's a good thing because then you're immune from it, hopefully. So yes. Right. What exactly. you guys, thank you for, I, those are questions so, I had to Matt, Do you have any other questions? I have one that? more quick question. Cause I did have asked somebody asked me this the other day and I wasn't sure. So with the monoclonal antibodies, is your immune response and like getting a booster type thing, is it as good as if you didn't use the monoclonal antibodies? Cause they were like, I've been told if you use monoclonal antibodies, your immune system isn't as robust afterwards. So you're immune, you know, you don't have the natural antibodies like you would if you just naturally fought it. Um, yeah, I heard that question get That's asked question. to Peter McCullough. Um, he talked about that on his podcast, I believe. And um, in the short term, maybe while you're getting the monoclonal antibodies, um, yes, you're not producing those antibodies, but you still will generate T and B cell immunity, which is those memory cells and the long-term immunity. So yeah, if you got yeah, sick, so therefore, if you got sick from COVID, like in other words, you got sick, you got a test, you had COVID, so you got COVID and you were sick. I can't see the monoclonal. Like monoclonal is just dumping your viral load, so you don't end up sicker, and hopefully it it, it, yeah. it heads but, off the inflammatory phase. But I, I can't I can't see that causing a huge problem as far as ongoing immunity. But no. again, we don't know for sure. These are experimental agents. I, unlike most some people, most... do not speak with absolute authority. Because <laughs> uh, most people's natural antibody levels to COVID, you know, wane pretty quickly too. Some there's, I've heard reports, I think even Joe Rogan said he's still got antibodies. I forget how many weeks or months. Yeah, but tests. that's testosterone, growth hormone and whatever. <laughs> right. But for the most part, as far as your, you know, is it going to affect your immune system to fight in the future? No, because you're going to build uh, T and B cells, which is, which is okay. a long-term. Yeah. Okay. And then one other question that has been asking me is how long after you like have COVID you test positive. And I don't know if anybody knows the answer to this yet. How long will you test positive? Ah, uh, well, it, so it's on the it, test. It, so it depends on the test. So with a PCR test, you can test, I don't know what the average is, but you can test positive for eight weeks to six months later. The six months is one extreme. Um, but on average, I'm hearing at about six to eight weeks. Yeah, we've, we've had people with six. positive antigen tests, which should technically be gone as soon as you're feeling better, and they're still positive eight or nine days yeah. later. That's anecdotal. That's the, an the um, rapid the, test. The PCR, the PCR is, I mean, we could do an entire hour just on the PCR and how it works and why right. it's so weird. How deep yeah. you push so, it. And move right. away. So that's why we don't like doing them as you know, people are asking, like, I need a test to go back to work or to go wherever I'm no. over COVID. I want a PCR test to see if it's gone from my system. I'm like, mm, that's not going to be helpful because it could be elevated for a long time, even though you're not shedding virus and you're recovered. Because so, you're not testing for virus. That's the thing people need yeah. to understand. A PCR test does not test for virus. It tests for the RNA in the virus. So you can have completely broken, Trunks dead virus mm -hmm. sitting there and you're still going to test positive. But to fly somewhere, you have to have a clean test. Right. Hawaii may be mandating boosters, which means we won't be going to Hawaii again. <laughs> well, I got my natural booster, so I'm good. Exactly. <laughs> well, you guys, thank you so much for coming on and answering questions. And hopefully the, the gods at the social media world will not hear anything that they think is horrible. Because I don't think we said anything horrible for anybody or anything like that. No. So perfect information so i appreciate your time thanks and Matt, hey. appreciate your sponsorship of the show and also you guys if you are one of the many 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 omicron people out there um once you're the five days out and you're feeling better not having symptoms get in 
and Matt can get you treated and get that lung, get everything kind of back up and get a nice big fresh boost of oxygen or light therapy and he can help you out. Yes. Oh, and hey, yeah. if I can yeah. give a little shout out for next week, I believe we're going to drop on our podcast uh, something that you'll find interesting because it was talking about the change in the legislation to <clears throat> the um, to OSHA as as far as testing. And so we have an interview with an attorney who has um, got some really good information and insights about what's going Starting on. Starting a national team of COVID lawyers. Mm hmm. So you guys, um, BS Free MD, and you can find them on all the regular podcasting channels, right? Spotify, yeah. Amazon, everybody. So yeah. just it's BS Free. Don't think about me because then you'll think that's I am BS. They are BS Free MD. <laughs> that's Sometimes. May. May is BS Free. Tim is full of BS. Uh, but together they make quite the team. <laughs> and so check out their podcast because they can talk on there about things we can't talk on here um because they can get away with it so um thanks you guys again we'll see you later you bet matt, thank, you. thank you matt absolutely have a good night all right see you guys later all right you guys so then again we want to thank matt at new leaf hyperbarics and wellness center for sponsoring our show i want to thank may and tim for coming on and taking their time to do that to give us some good information mercury metal couldn't do it without you we thank you so much for being our sponsor and of course dr bratlin at chris dental um he's our man um, that's it for this week. We will be back um, on Monday with more. Uh, have a great weekend. Share this on your page. And I will see you Monday for more of Get Real uh, with Rick Dancer. See you later.